Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. My name is Shelby Condit, and I'm one of the two hosts for today's exciting show. Yes, and that makes me the other host, Max Hunter. We are talking over the Rocky Mountain Review today and have an awesome show prepared. We'll be starting out with the national and local news with an update from the current California wildfires, as well as the recently released National Climate Change Report. In local news, we'll be taking a look at the wave of scooters arriving shortly in Fort Collins. Max and I will also have a couple of live interviews later in the show about game day parking on campus and an intriguing new project from the Poudre River Public Library. Yep. Our reporters have also prepared some really great special segments for you today. Have you been wondering about some of the directing opportunities on campus? Well, our reporter, Jake Kademi, has all the info you could need and more. We have tons of arts and culture scoops today, so make sure you stay tuned. Yeah, we're excited about these stories, so just remember if at any time during the Rocky Mountain Review you want to get involved and share your opinion, you can text into 970-491-5278. We'd love to hear from you. Without further ado, here is National News with our reporter, Claire Oliver. Hello, everyone. This is Claire Oliver for your National News Update for 90.5 KCSU. California's deadliest and most devastating wildfires to date, the fire known as Camp Fire, has now been 100% contained. After 18 days of battling the wildfire that consumed over 153,000 acres in Butte County, California, Cal Fire Department announced this Sunday that the fire is now contained. Three days of rainfall contributed to the containment, according to the Washington Post, and allowed for firefighters to beat back the blaze. Camp Fire, which started on November 8th, began in the Sierra Nevada foothills, spreading rapidly throughout the Northern California County. The fire spread due to recent high temperatures, wind, and dry landscape. President Trump sent out a tweet during the beginning of the blaze on November 10th, blaming the forest management team for the rapid spread of the wildfire. The president sent out an ultimatum stating, remedy now or no more Fed payments. Despite this message from the president, there are many stating the reason for the fires is not poor management, but climate change. According to Butte County officials, They are facing one of the hottest years on record in the past decade, and with the parched vegetation, the county was turned into a virtual tinderbox. Campfire claimed 85 lives, with 296 people still missing. Authorities expect the death toll to only rise in the coming days as firefighters search for more human remains in the ash. In other news, SpongeBob SquarePants creator Steven Hillenburg passed away today. Hillenburg confirmed last year that he was suffering from ASL, or Lou Gehrig's disease. Nickelodeon confirmed the news on Twitter today, observing a moment of silence for Hillenburg's on the network and on the beloved kids' show. The show, created in 1999, has won numerous awards, including four Emmys, and has been translated into 50 languages and broadcasted in over 200 countries. Hillenburg was only 57 when he passed away. That wraps up the national news. Cade McNelly will be taking it from here to let you know what's happening in our surrounding area. This is your daily local news. I'm Cade McNelly. Poudre School District has proposed plans for two new schools in the northern Colorado area. According to the Coloradoan, the schools will both be a middle school and high school combination. One school will be built in Wellington and one on Prospect Road east of Interstate 25. The schools are set to open in fall 2022, serving 6th through 10th graders. Both 11th and 12th grade will be added in the next two consecutive years. Check into coloradoan.com for more information on school boundaries and funding. The City of Fort Collins has proclaimed November as Transgender Awareness Month. As federal protections for the transgender community vanish, however, community members and supporters want to see the city's inclusivity extend beyond statements. Are you flying United, Delta, American, or Southwest Airlines for the holidays? 
Denver International Airport is now offering a free bag drop service at its Elbert and Pikes Peak lot. With DIA's goal to make more room for passengers on the shuttles and reduce the amount of time flyers will roll around large bags they plan to check, passengers will drop their, their bag prior to parking, then park and take a shuttle where they can head straight for security. Fort Collins City Council is exploring options to bring rideshare scooters into the city. Companies like Lime and Bird have introduced a way to lower car traffic in areas like Denver, but many Fort Collins residents are fighting back, saying the scooters are dangerous when mixed with pedestrian traffic on sidewalks, and are against the ability to leave the scooters anywhere along the path. Head to coloradoan.com to participate in their poll on whether the scooters should come to town. This has been your daily local newscast for November 27th, 2018. For more information, visit collegian.com and kcsufm.com. I'm Cade McNelly. That was your local and national update. If you missed it, don't worry. We'll have more local and national news updates later in the show. We also have an interview coming up that I'll be conducting about parking on campus during game days with a very local CSU professor. Stay tuned to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. KCSUFM.com, 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Have you ever been to the future? Because I have. Squid Pro Quo, 11 to 1, Friday. Listen to the future. Experience the future. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm one of your hosts, Max Hunter, and I'm here with the Assistant Professor of Writing and Rhetoric, Doug Cloud. Professor Cloud, you've had some very interesting insights recently into the rhetorical culture on campus in regards to game day parking. Um, first off, could you briefly explain what you mean by rhetoric for the folks at home? Well, I, I think we have to acknowledge that usually when we use the term rhetoric just day to day, we mean something really awful. Uh, we usually use that term to refer to deceptive argumentation or something like that. But the people uh, who study it tend to see it more neutrally, right? That's it, it, Rhetoric is language that gets work done in the world, right? That we, we can't accomplish anything uh, except through persuasion. Absolutely. So could you tell me about the kind of rhetoric you've been looking at then in regards to parking? Well, I don't study parking formally, but I've made a... a I'm sort of a fan in a, <laughs> in, in, a, in a certain kind of way of reading a bureaucratic discourse, so things like signs and pamphlets and information. I'm probably the only person, other than the authors, who have read the Parking and Transportation Master Plan from huh. beginning to end. It's, it's a riveting read. I didn't even know we had one. We do. Huh. So uh, what have you been seeing? Well, uh, one thing I think we've probably all seen uh, is people who are really upset about 
uh, parking generally and also the uh, arrangements that have been made for game day parking uh, in particular a few weeks ago we had a Friday night home game, which were, which necessitated additional restrictions on who could park on campus and when. I remember that, yeah. Um, so as far as as far as you know, the the things you see as far as the campus's uh, writing in regards to parking, do you notice any common themes? Well, I think one thing that is upsetting people, and they they may not realize that it's upsetting them, is that information and restrictions are being delivered in ways that are supposed to make us kind of happy about them. And it's not especially convincing, right? So you, you see slippage where someone is talking about a rule or what you can't do, and they're talking about it using promotional discourse, right? So it sounds like something you're supposed to be really happy or excited about. I don't think people like that very much. Do you have any examples of that? That's really interesting. Uh, well, a central example I think about is, um, so that Friday when, when we had that home game, there was uh, a lot of special events, right, that you could go to this park and ride and get a free breakfast and prizes, and, and it's kind of almost carnivalesque. Uh, not much allure there, though, from anybody that I talked to. It seemed like it was so disconnected from how people were feeling. Another uh, observation I've made recently is the way that the word alternative is used when we talk about transportation. So we talk about uh, transportation alternatives, and usually we mean public transportation or, or biking or walking or, or what have you. Um, and I, I see that word also used when we're talking about restrictions. So everyone's going to need to take an alternative means of transportation. And I wonder if alternative is the right word there. Because it's not an alternative because they don't have the original option. Well, I, I actually, I did what I often do, which is I went and looked it up in the dictionary to remind <laughs> myself of what it means. And alternative is a choice between uh, one of two or more available possibilities. So if you foreclose an option, uh, like driving your car to campus, in favor of an alternative, it, it's not a live choice, right? It's not yeah. a choice among alternatives. A, a better word there might be substitution, but it's not nearly as uh, fun as alternative. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, what do you think this might reflect as far as uh, our campus's attitude towards parking? When do you hear people talking about how much they love a parking policy on a college campus? Probably never. Yeah, I don't think ever. I, I So I don't know that there's anything in individual about our campus in, in regard to parking grievances. Um, I think it's an opportunity to see closely how bureaucratic discourse works and why it makes us so upset when it does. Oh, interesting. Could you please tell me more about that? Uh, well, so I mentioned reading that master plan from, from beginning to end, and uh, I was really struck by some of the language that's, that's used in there. Um, so oftentimes when universities make large-scale changes, and in particular master plans or strategic plans, they'll hold listening sessions or stuff like that where people can give input and help um, steer it. So I, I read the report and um, it, it's really direct about what it's doing. Uh, this is from the introduction. Our assignment was less to create a new plan and vision for the campus, but to quote, truth a significant set of assumptions and add depth and detail as needed to support and justify. Now that's, 
That's really interesting. I've never heard truth used as a verb like that before. I think most of us use it as a noun. We might <laughs> yeah. tell the truth or hide the truth or something like that. But few of us, truths, that's a transitive verb, right? We're yeah, truthing something. How do you truth something. something, yeah. Well, it's, it's in quotes, and I think that's why it's in quotes, is because it's a very unfamiliar usage of that word. And what's really being said there is, we already know what we want to do. Now we just need to justify it. Interesting. And I, I don't think that means somebody had evil intentions, but it, it's amazing what it's actually saying as, and how different it is from what, how the sentence actually reads. So do you think that there, the, uh, the effect of the, the rhetoric used by the campus was intentional? I, I think it's probably unfair to assume that there's a secret parking cabal uh, run by athletic services and parking and transportation services. I haven't talked to anybody evil over there yet. <laughs> They're all pretty nice people um, trying to do their jobs. I think they probably don't want to upset people. That's what we do every day. We, we don't say things in ways we know that are going to tick people off. Why would we? Yeah. So do you, is that the effect they're trying to go for then, not upsetting people? Do you think it would be upsetting people if they were more direct about their, their parking words? There's a more pernicious effect here that's easy to miss. The point of bureaucratic or institutional discourse, the things that big entities say is to get us to behave in a certain way. But there's another effect, which is to get us to behave in that way without us realizing that we're being subjected to power and authority. That's fascinating. Do you think, um, do you think there's something that maybe we as a, a community at CSU could be doing differently to be more open about how we communicate about this? I think we need to insist on a public conversation about parking that is closer to how we think about it. And that's with the administration and the alumni and the students and the whole community? And with each other. That's fantastic, Professor Cloud. That really is. Um, this has been one of the most enlightening conversations I have ever had about parking. And I don't know about you, but I think if I were to take anything away from this, I would just take away that uh, we shouldn't always trust the powers that be. And we should, you know, think for ourselves and question, question authority from time to time. It's always good to ask questions. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Professor. My pleasure. Hello, and welcome back to KCSU for your national news update. I'm Claire Oliver. 
A new climate change report was released on November 23rd this past week. The study was put together by 13 different government agencies and over 300 climate scientists weighing in on the issues of climate change in the United States. The study said that recent wildfires, hurricanes, and heat waves are crippling the climate in the U.S. The study is the first of its kind issued by the Trump administration and mainly focuses on the cause and effects instead of the policy to improve conditions. This report is the fourth of its kind with the last report published in 2014 during the Obama administration. The study, despite the lack of possible solutions to the issues, advocates for immediate action to the current issues facing climate change and the economic toll global warming could have on the U.S. CNN claims the report was purposely released by the Trump administration the day after Thanksgiving, or Black Friday, to avoid immediate attention. While this may or may not be the case, President Trump has commented extensively on climate change. A recent tweet by the president commented on the cold spell hitting the Northeast this year, stating, whatever happened to global warming? According to the Washington Post, this recent Twitter post from the president shows a confusion between daily weather fluctuations and long-term climate trends. Whether or not the release of the document on Black Friday indicates the administration attempt to hold off reactions to the study, the evidence provided shows that human impact on the planet in the United States is causing climate issues. The report claims that the temperature in the U.S. is 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than it was 100 years ago, surrounded by seas that are on average nine inches higher. All of this comes after the U.N. report stating that major changes needed to be made in order to keep the temperature of the globe from rising only 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. In other news, the rise of the amphetamine-related hospitalizations is a cause for concern. According to, the M- to NBC, these hospitalizations jumped by about 245% from 2008 to 2015. This jump is significantly more than the rise in opioid-related ho- hospitalizations, which was only 46%. NBC stated that the crisis is being overshadowed by the opioid crisis, which is cause for concern. Amphetamines can be prescribed to patients but can also be produced illegally into methamphetamines, making them easier to obtain than opioids, according to the police. Methamphetamine addiction can also not be treated by medication. NBC also stated that some doctors struggle to actually distinguish symptoms of meth addiction and other mental health issues. Reporting from KCSU, I'm Claire Oliver. That concludes our national news here on, on the Rocky Mountain Review. Our feature on the 15-Minute Play Festival at the UCA is coming up next, so keep it locked in to 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. Tribal Rights Custom Tattoo, Piercing, and Body Jewelry is a proud underwriting sponsor of 90.5 KCSU. Tribal Rights is open noon to 10 p.m. on Monday through Saturday and noon to 7 p.m. on Sundays. More information can be found at tribalrightstattoo.com. KCSU thanks Tribal Rights for their underwriting support. 
Welcome back to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. My name is Max Hunter. On Saturday, December 1st, the University Center for the Arts and the CSU Theater Department are hosting the 2018 15-Minute Play Festival. Jay Kademi covers the festival in this special report. Sunny Walls, a senior theater performance major at CSU, is one of the student directors in the festival. Walls says that the festival provides opportunities for students unlike any other. I think that it's really important that us as students, we get to do things on our own without the guidance of professors sometimes. Um, I mean, not all the time, but it is a good opportunity just to kind of figure things out for ourselves and, and really feel like we're having complete creative freedom and figuring out what we can actually do on our own with the skills that we've like acquired through CSU. And, and I think that it's important for the students um, to feel in charge of some of those things and take on some responsibility over those, those things. And I think it's cool for the community to see what the students at CSU are doing and um, are getting out of their education at, at the college. So This will be Wall's second year participating in the festival as a director. She explains the premise of her play and her experience with the festival. I'm directing a uh, student-written play by Bradley Callahan, one of my friends, and it is called Last Night. It's about a group of friends who kind of have a miscommunication um, one of the friends killed one of the other friends in the group and is kind of confiding in his fr other friend um, at his house. And they are all kind of confused and misdirected in what happened. No one really knows what happened. And then um, the end is a big twist. And I think still by the end, not even the actors or the characters or the audience knows what really truly happened. I think that it's so fun. And I think that if more people... Um, more people auditioned and, and were excited about it like I am and all the directors and the actors who are in it right now are that um, it would just like really give a good opportunity for students like I don't I think people take for granted how good of an opportunity it, it is. Jessica Krupa a third-year theater major with concentrations in costume design and stage management is also the president of the Theater Student Advisory Council. The Advisory Council Krupa says is helping to produce the event along with the theater department. Krupa remarks on her experience putting the festival it's together. It's definitely been a lot more work than I expected. The nice thing is that having student advisory council to help plan it instead of one sole student has really what's made this happen. The festival was started by former theater student Mason Weiss in the fall of 2016. The event was both his theater capstone and honors thesis. Krupa talks about what she hopes for the future of the event. I really hope it continues. Last year when the festival, it was the second year of the festival and the room was overflowing. We were at capacity so we couldn't let any more people in. And a lot of students came up to me and to other members of the Student Advisory Council asking to continue it because they enjoyed it so much. So I, I hope it stays. It continues to have positive feedback within the department and communities. Krupa and Walls both articulate their thoughts on the festival as a whole. Uh, the 15-minute play festival gives student directors a chance to um, delve into directing in a shorter aspect than putting on a full production. So it's just here to provide more opportunities for students as well as another extracurricular event as well. I've always had like a favoritism for directing uh, in all of like the different types of things that you can do in theater. I've always kind of favorited directing, um, but I never, I don't get a lot of opportunities to do it. And this is a really 
good opportunity to kind of do it on your own, which is kind of like a um, trial and error type thing. You kind of have to just learn on your own. Um, I also wasn't involved in anything um, for the next like month and a half before I graduate. So I was like, well, I kind of want to do something else, like a little side project and keep myself busy. So I also decided just to jump on this opportunity for that. The 2018 15-Minute Play Festival will feature both published plays and student-written work. Krupa explains that admission for the event is $5 at the door, first come, first serve. Once you've purchased a ticket for the festival, Krupa says that your ticket grants admission for all shows, and you can come and go as you please. She also emphasizes that the proceeds from the festival will help the Student Advisory Council fund more events like the 15-Minute Play Festival to continue strengthening the theater community in and out of the UCA. The festival is open to any member of the community and will take place in room 242 of the University Center for the Arts on Saturday, December 1st at 2 p.m. I'm Jake Kademi with the Rocky Mountain Review. That was Jake Kademi with that special story on the 15-minute play festival taking place at the UCA on December 1st. Stay tuned here on the Rocky Mountain Review because in about 15 minutes, I'll be interviewing Paula Watson-Lakamp about the Living Library Project. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Relationships can be complicated. Whether you're dealing with a possible STD or an unexpected pregnancy, Alpha Center is here to provide you with confidential medical help and support. As a Christian medical clinic, the Alpha Center provides STD testing and treatment, pregnancy tests, options counseling, relationship counseling, and more. You can reach them at 970-221-5121 to schedule your appointment with a medical professional or visit their website, thealphacenter.org. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU. I'm Shelby Condit, and we have one final local news update with reporter Cade McNelly. This is your daily local news. I'm Cade McNelly. Poudre School District has proposed plans for two new schools in the northern Colorado area. The schools will both be a middle school and high school combination. One school will be built in Wellington and one on Prospect Road east of Interstate 25. The schools are set to open in fall 2022, serving 6th through 10th graders. Both 11th and 12th graders will be added in the next two consecutive years. The City of Fort Collins has proclaimed November as Transgender Awareness Month. As, as federal protections for the transgender community vanish, however, community members and supporters want to see the city's inclusivity extend beyond statements. Mayor Wade Troxell gave a short speech on November 20th, memorializing the day as Transgender Day of Remembrance. Are you flying United, Delta, American, or Southwest Airlines for the holidays? Denver International Airport is now offering a free bag drop service at its Elbert and Pikes Peak lots, says the Coloradoan, with DIA's goal to make more room for passengers on the shuttles and reduce the amount of time flyers will roll around large bags they plan to check. 
Passengers will drop their bag prior to parking, then park and take a shuttle where they can head straight for security. Advanced Energy, a tech company in the Fort Collins area responsible for powering cell phones and other devices is growing. Because of that growth, Advanced Energy is reaching out to university to train skilled workers. The company announced in October they would be moving some positions from its Fort Collins headquarters to Denver to increase productivity as they hire more workers. We are a global company, says Isabel Yang, the Chief Technology Officer for Advanced Technology, but our heart and our home will always be here in Fort Collins and Denver. The company grew up here. Advanced Energy, also known as AE, builds semiconductors and industrial glass coatings. With the decision to move jobs to Denver, more labs and research areas will open in Fort Collins. Fort Collins City Council is exploring options to bring rideshare scooters into the city. Companies like Lime and Bird have introduced a way to lower car traffic in areas like Denver, but more Fort Collins residents are fighting back saying the scooters are dangerous when mixed with pedestrian traffic on sidewalks and are against, against the ability for scooters anywhere along a path. Some people enjoy the other side of riding scooters, such as crash wheels on YouTube. This has been your daily local newscast. I'm Cade McNelly. And that was the end of our local newscast done by reporter Cade McNelly. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we have an inside look at the large-scale Holiday Spectacular concert done by CSU's College of Music, Theater, and Dance. So stay with us at the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Firehouse Books is a proud underwriting sponsor of 90.5 KCSU. Located in Old Town on Walnut Street, Old Firehouse Books is the largest independent bookstore in northern Colorado, carrying a vast selection of new and used books. The store hosts many special events from in-store book clubs to author signings. To find out more, visit www.oldfirehousebooks.com. KCSU thanks Old Firehouse Books for their underwriting support. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Shelby Condit, and on this portion of the Rocky Mountain Review, I'm joined by Paula watson Laycamp to talk about an upcoming project with the Poudre River Public Library District called the Living Library. Paula, can you tell us a little bit more about what the Living Library is? Hi, Shelby. Well, right now what we're doing is we're gathering people from the community that are interested in being our Living Library books and then on an event on February 2nd, they'll be invited to come to the library and people will be able to check the books out. Okay, can you talk about what it would mean to be a living library book? So the um, what we're looking for are people that have interesting stories to tell, and that can be anything from maybe an alternative spring break thing that they did um, around the world. It could be someone who is like an ultimate Frisbee champion and wants to talk about that, a rodeo bull rider, anywhere um, 
from that to someone who might be involved in a really cutting-edge science project. And basically, it's so that people can meet people in the community that they wouldn't normally run into. Neat. Um, has the library done anything like this before? No, this is our first one. It's actually um, kind of a big push with libraries all over the world. It happened in or started in Denmark a few years back, and right now I think there are 80 different countries in the world that are doing similar projects. Some people have people that are actually cataloged in their system so that you can go to the library and have kind of a meetup with them whenever you know you can figure that out. So that would be our grandest goal to do, but we're just starting with this one-time event just to kind of see how it goes. Nice. So how did you come up with it? How did you learn about the, the fact that it's been around all over the world? Um, well, that's a good question. I think we've seen it in different uh, library trend magazines that we read and listen to. It's been done in Douglas County Libraries here in Colorado and some other ones that we've been talking to. And what kind of engagement are you hoping for here in Fort Collins? Well, what we're hoping for is to get at least um, between 12 and 20 books for people to come and check out. And then we'll decide if it's going to be more of a half an hour situation or it might be up to 45 minutes, kind of depending on what their topic is and how much time they might need to talk about it. And then, of course, have time for questions and answers. And each of those is going to be facilitated in kind of a small group. And have you had any volunteers yet? We've had a couple um People asking about it, we have nobody that has actually signed up yet, but our deadline is December 15th, so we're hoping to get everybody signed up in the next couple weeks. Can you give us an idea of some of the interesting stories we might hear based on who you've talked to so far? Well, we have a lady that um, is a master knitter, and she owns her own alpaca farm and Mm -hmm. does everything from... You know, raising the alpacas, shearing them, dyeing the wool, knitting it, and then she goes and um, sells it all over the world. Um, and she was going to talk about that process. We have um, another person who is a first-generation um, person from the Philippines who is going to talk about her immigration experience. And um, so, so, you know, the sky's the limit. Awesome. And are these local folks here in Fort Collins? Uh-huh. Then? Awesome. Um, so when is this going to be taking place? It's going to be February 2nd at the Old Town Library. And we're going to have about six different rooms set up. And then people will be able to start uh, registering to read a book in January off okay. of our website. Okay. And can you tell us just a little bit more about what it might look like for that future Goal? Like, how would what would be the logistics of that be? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I think what we would do is we would basically have the the person's bio as just a book cover that would be on our catalog. And if you were searching for, say, cats, and we had somebody that was a cat expert, their uh, bio for some sort of meetup would come up just at, like it would if it was a book. Okay. Um, can you tell us um, how, tell us more about what your role is at the library? Well, I'm the communications manager, and so 
I basically do all of the internal and external communications. Uh, the person helping me with this is our volunteer coordinator, Audrey, and we have a huge volunteer force of people that come and help with the library. And uh, it's just something that I've been wanting to do for a couple of years, and I'm finally getting a chance to do it. That's awesome. And so what what kind of role is Audrey playing in this? Audrey's helping with the organization of recruiting the volunteers as well as getting the logistical piece done of getting uh, the rooms put together and making kind of interviewing the volunteers first to double check that they know what they're going to talk about and we have a way of putting it in some sort of format so that people can read it ahead of time so that they know if they want to check out that book. Very cool. Um, is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered? Uh, I don't think so. I think basically I'm just looking for people that have great ideas and want to share their stories. So if people are interested in being a book for this, they can talk to the library. Our, um, that phone number is 221-6740. That's our answer center phone number. Or you can go to our website, which is pooterlibraries.org. Okay. And check it out. And my final question is, if we were going to check you out as a book, what would you tell us if you had a couple of minutes to? Oh, gosh. That's a, that's a good one. I think uh, I have a lot of different things. I'm, an, I'm a visual artist as well as um, I've been in marketing for 40 years. And um, I'm a grandma, and I'm got all kinds of things going on so i think i'm interested in people and interested in hearing their stories how many grandkids do you have three <laughs> wonderful all right well thank you so much for uh joining us today paula um if anybody's interested in the living library can you tell us again how you can go to the website which is pooterlibraries.org or go to the uh, answer center phone number for the library district. That's 221-6740. All right. Stay tuned for our final segment on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Max Hunter here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Right now, we have a very special report done by our own Thomas Lundeen about the Holiday Spectacular concert at CSU.
The main concert is this weekend with a free dress rehearsal for students on Wednesday. Stay tuned to hear more. It's quickly approaching one of the most wonderful times of the year. And while the weather outside is certainly becoming colder, things are really starting to heat up for the College of Theater, Music, and Dance here at Colorado State University. They're putting the final touches on their holiday spectacular concert, an event involving all the choirs and the symphonic orchestra of CSU. I went to interview one of the producers of the show to get more information about the concert. Here is what he had to say. Hello, my name is Adam Torres, and I am an assistant professor of music here at Colorado State University for the School of Music, Theater, and Dance. And it is my privilege to serve as the producer for our annual Holiday Spectacular. What makes the Holiday Spectacular so special? Well, the Holiday Spectacular is an annual tradition for the CSU and Fort Collins community. It features uh, the combined musical artistry of our university orchestra alongside our combined choruses. So with nearly 200 performers on stage, it really is just this glorious, amazing sound featuring wonderful music shared with, with our community. And ultimately, the show is a fundraiser for students of the School of Music, Theater, and Dance. So to have that opportunity, you know, to share in that se- in the season of giving uh, fr- fr- from the community is, is really wonderful too. Well, Torres, is it a struggle to get so many different ensembles together on the stage? With multiple ensembles involved, multiple choruses and the orchestra, uh, nearly 200 performers on stage, there are a lot of logistical challenges in assimilating that. Um, first and foremost, uh, just choosing what music is going to be performed. Different ensembles have different concert dates and different amounts of time to prepare for our holiday spectacular. Uh, The orchestra, for example, generally wraps up an opera uh, performance that usually ends the first or second week of November, which means there's not really a ton of time to prepare these concerts. So trying to, to mitigate through that, Additionally, coordinating with the different directors as to what music we will or won't do for this particular show and making sure that there's, you know, every year is a little different, that it's fresh. In addition, there are also very logistical things like trying to fit 200 performers on a finite stage, um, you know, with choral risers and conductor podiums, uh, holiday decorations and and things like that, music stands. It, It does get a little bit crowded. Well, what kind of music can we expect for this concert? Uh, you can expect a wide array of, of music. Um, some music that we choose is directly tied into the holiday tradition. For example, Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker is a December favorite. Um, it is something that you know music patrons uh, can look forward to. Um, if you're a musician in the performing circuit, you will probably play Nutcracker at least once, maybe five, six, seven times per year. There's a composer, his name is Randall Allen Bass. Maestro Bass is a wonderful arranger and will feature some of his his work. Um, We'll actually feature an arrangement of a CSU student to the tune Blue Christmas, which will be sung by uh, one of our voice professors here at CSU. So, I mean, there's a wide array of music. And I think part of our charge in these holiday concerts is to present kind of a wide spectrum of music. Some of it is quote art music you know some of it is maybe more more pop based or whatever but at the end it's high quality music that that we'll present well how did you choose this music uh the very loose 
the script of this year sort of revolves around this idea of holiday traditions and that regardless of what the tradition is, there's something that's sort of profound and that we celebrate you know, with our, all of our different backgrounds and experiences. And that idea of celebration really binds us together in, in our goodwill and our giving in this time of year. And, and, and that's sort of what binds us together is sort of the better part of our humanity. And we just talk about some ideas, some concepts. We put together some working repertory. It goes through a few revisions, and then usually we get it solidified. This is Thomas Lundeen reporting for the Rocky Mountain Review. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Shelby Condit. And I'm Max Hunter. Today has been a really great show. Yeah, we've had a couple of special reports on some exciting events coming up. The Holiday Spectacular Concert and the 15-Minute Film Festival. We also heard some local and national news about the fires of California. Uh, Advanced Energy expanding research into educator training in Colorado universities and recognizing Transgender Awareness Month in Fort Collins. In addition, we had some great interviews with Assistant Professor of Writing and Rhetoric Doug Cloud and Paula Lakamp Watson with the Poudre River Public Library. KCSU would like to thank our board operator, Katie Otter, and our local arts and culture reporter, Thomas Lundin, as well as our special reporter, Jake Kademi, and my co-host, Shelby Condit. We'd also like to thank... We'd also like to thank our local news and national news reporter, Cade McNally and Claire Oliver. Thank you to our producer, Julia Badalise, as well as my co-host, Max Hunter. Why, thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today, dear listener. Please be sure to tune in again on Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the next Rocky Mountain Review. Yeah, and stick around right now for some great tunes only on 90.5 KCSU for Collins.